What's up, y'all? Before we get started with today's episode, I just want to say first, happy holidays. Whether you're enjoying the holidays right now, your holidays have passed, or you're just taking a break since school is closed, I hope that you are safe and well. Before I start today's episode, I just want to apologize because this episode fell through the cracks, y'all. Totally my fault. And Nicole and I actually talked um, in 2019. So she is now a third year doctoral student and has a beautiful baby and husband that she is talking about as her fiance and um, even made some references because we recorded in the summer that, you know, just are going to feel a little bit weird as you're listening. So I just kind of wanted to preface this episode with this as you're listening so you are aware of what's going on. But Hope you enjoy and I'll talk to you all in the new year. Hey y'all, it's Alante and you're listening to Black and in Grad School, the podcast that helps women and people of color like you excel in this journey. If you're listening, I believe you are an aspiring or current scholar who wants to successfully navigate this process by sharing my experience while pursuing my PhD and interviewing other black graduate students or early career professionals, it is my hope that you can glean encouragement, advice, and strategies that you can apply to your journey. Thanks for listening. Hey y'all, it's Alante with another episode of Black and in Grad School. And today we are having a, another interview, another guest on the show to share her graduate school experience. And so, as you know, if you ever want to share your experience with Black and in Grad School, literally shoot me a DM like Nicole did. And here we are, we're talking about her experience, getting ready to share some amazing information about uh, the graduate school experience so Nicole thank you so much for coming on thank you for having me absolutely so let me tell you guys a little bit about Nicole she is a first year uh, student in a psych d in clinical psychology at Mercy University she has her master's in science from Bernal University in clinical counseling psychology and also a bachelor's in psychology from Agnes Scott College. And her research focuses on Black women's wellness and perinatal mental health, which sounds so, so important. And I'm always excited to talk uh, with anyone about you know their track and how they decided to do something like clinical psych, because I've always heard, I feel like it's kind of almost a known thing around the graduate school circle is that like clinical psych is not only hard to get in, but also get through. So mm-hmm. I really want to hear about you know how you picked clinical psych and how you knew it was a path for you. So my journey to psychology is I have a pre-seated route. I was actually a chemistry major in undergrad. And I think when I was a, I can't remember if I was like a spring semester sophomore or like a fall semester junior, I had to take like a elective class or something like that. So I took psychology 102 and I like fell in love with it. And I just immediately switched my degree, <laughs> switched my major. And so I was like, why and like my parents wanted me to go to school for like chemistry like oh you're gonna be a chemical engineer blah 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 but I like hated it I hated organic chemistry I just kept like getting like C's and D's in that class in those classes and it just like ruined my GPA but when I took psychology like it was something that I like understood and I felt like I could be passionate about so I just ended up I just switched and I like you know hustled my way because I had like a year and a half left 
So I really finished my major in like a year and a half. I took extra classes and that's just kind of how I got to psychology. And then I was like, well, I guess I got to go to grad school because no one's really going to hire me (laughs) with just an undergraduate degree. So I went to grad, I went to get my master's in it. And then I was like, let me just go and try to see if I get, um, if I can get a doctorate. You know, that meme on Twitter, that's like, nobody and then black women is like I think I'm going to get another degree that was literally (laughs) I think I'm just going to get another degree (laughs) and so yeah and now I'm here (laughs) as a first year almost second year um, doctoral student in clinical psychology that is awesome so I know there are like different arms to psychology. So what made you choose clinical specifically? What really drew you into that that Um, space? Yeah, I think it was just more so like what was available at the time. Like clinical is like a big umbrella. Um, If you want to do like social, social psychology, you can probably work in like marketing and stuff like that. Work with branding and advertising and stuff. I didn't really want to do stuff like that. I really wanted to work with like patients um, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to like be able to work in a hospital setting and then eventually like have my own private practice. So the programs that were available in like the state of Georgia were mainly like clinical psychology programs. And I was like, well, if I want to branch out to do other stuff, I can, but I'll always have that foundation in clinical psych. And that, you know, I feel like I made the right choice with that. Let me think. I think just as far as like clinical psych, like you can work with patients, you can have a private practice, you can do assessments, um, you can do forensics, you can do a lot of stuff, really a lot of stuff. <laughs> so I mm. like broadened my um, horizons with the, uh, the choice that I made to study clinical. Okay, I, I get it, I get it. And so it sounds like, you knew back in undergrad once you took that class that this was a path for you mm-hmm. and you really just kind of been following through and I love it. Love yeah. bring always bring a meme, right? Nobody, black women. Yeah. We're <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's so awesome. Okay. And so and you also share a little bit of your plans a little for after. So it sounds like you know well, after your first year, do you still feel like the plan you had when you started is the plan you still want to follow with working in the hospitals and then creating your own private um, practice? Yeah, sometimes. Okay. I think because, like, our program is so intensive, like, you have to do three years of practicum. And then in your fourth year, you write your dissertation and then you apply for an internship and you can be matched, like, anywhere in the country. So, it's like, mm-hmm. every year, depending mm-hmm. on what my... um like what my practicum site is, I'm like, oh, I think I want to do this. Oh, I think I want to do that. And I'm like confused again about what I want to do. But it seems like private practice has stayed the constant over like all the different things that I've like seen and experienced. So overall, I think I'm going to have a private practice somewhere one day. Um, But if I work in a hospital right after I graduate or you know, if I just do assessments or if I just take a year off, that's fine too. Um, oh. Spending five years in a program is like super long. And I've been going to school literally, I have not taken a break. <laughs> so <laughs> I may take a really yeah. huge vacation after I graduate too. Yeah, absolutely. I totally encourage that. And so can you maybe just give us a little bit of like background? Cause like I'm not in psych. And so people who might be in it but are like 
not as far along in their journey as you are might not know like what what all encompasses in the practicum and or the matching process and what's an assessment those are three ways I'm like I don't know what any of those things are you tell us about those okay so let's start um so assessment is basically like Let's say you are coming in for social security disability. I have to do Mm -hmm. an assessment on you to test your cognitive abilities, personality. Like I can do a personality test on you. And a lot of people like don't know this, but like police officers have to get personality tested and they're they're done by Mm -hmm. psychologists. I mean, if you want to get an organ transplant, you have to get different types of assessment to test your um, mental fitness. Um, if you are transitioning, um, transgender, you have to get an assessment. So there's different types of assessments that psychologists do. Um, so when we say assessments, like the most basic term is like for social security disability, I'll test you, okay. I'll do a waist or a whisk um, to see, you know, where your strengths and weaknesses are. And, and then we'll send it off to SSD and they'll decide whether or not you can get those disability benefits. I'm just, you know, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just testing you. <laughs> um, I'm not going to tell you whether or not you got it, but I'm just the one, you know, we work, we can work through the state to see if you'll get those types of resources. Um, for And so that's just one of the career opportunities that psychologists can have. Um, as mm-hmm. far as practicum, that's more so for like, if you're a master's level clinician or a doctoral um, student in your master's, you only have to do one year of practicum. And that's basically like intern, like how we think about internship in college. Okay. Like you mm-hmm. do a year somewhere, it's unpaid work. You like get that hands-on experience. And so for us, it's like you can do therapy or you can do assessments. Like you can work in a hospital or you can work in a little small private practice, but there's just like different little nuances to like our path um our field um and so you can do like a different things like in the past I've worked at Grady Hospital um worked at the um psychosocial rehabilitation program so I worked with people who had severe and persistent mental illness and a lot of them were like low income some of them have been homeless just things like that and I did therapy with them and I want to do that again um but Mm -hmm. (laughs) where that leads me Um, And then internship, when we say internship in the psychology field, think of it like residency for medical school students. So you're applying to get matched. And like, they always tell us like, if you don't want to go to like Idaho, don't apply to Idaho, (laughs) because you may get there. So and you're gonna be stuck there. But it's a year and you do it in your fifth year. It's a year long process. And you actually get paid for that. Um, and so you want to get matched and you, you really want, like, you have to get matched in order to graduate. Like you have to do that internship experience. Um, but it's a paid experience. It's not paid that much. You're not getting like $70,000. You're getting like 30, but you know, at least you're getting paid (laughs) and then you'll be done when you graduate. And, um, I'm thinking of applying to like maybe the West coast or maybe somewhere close to home so I can be close to my family too. So, but that's like four years away. Um, okay. Right, right, right. And yeah. so are you getting matched to like just different facilities that have a need for clinical psychologists or is it just hospitals or what does uh, that look like? It just depends. Some of them may be private practices. Um, they have okay. to be certified by the American Psychological Association. 
So they mm-hmm. have to be an APA um, type internship. And so you could be in a hospital, like a lot of them are really clinical sites, or you could be like in a private practice or doing assessments. It just really depends on what you want. But a lot of them are like really clinical focused sites where you're working with like an interdisciplinary team um, with doctors and, you know, other clinical folks and you're having to, you know, converse with them on the treatment plans and things like that. It gets gets very um, technical and clinical, but it's a really great experience. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Okay. Thank you so much for, you know, demystifying that process for us. I really, really appreciate it because, you know, people need to know. And there's so many different versions of the grad school journey. And I think that's something that we're trying to make sure we make clear is that it's not one clear cut process. And so um, with that, and we know what your plans are and kind of your, we know a little bit about your work. Um, tell me, tell me a little bit more about that research and what made you pick your research focus and kind of just what you're hoping to find. Well, I always wanted to work with women, specifically Mm -hmm. black women. But then once I had a baby in January, I was like, oh, like I, this is a field that's like really like underserved and there's not Mm -hmm. like research on it. And so I was like, well, this could be an opportunity for me to like publish some articles because there's not much research on it. And hopefully this will like open the doors for somebody else. But I mean, even just like black women's wellness, that's still like a pretty new field in psychology. Um, Just being diverse in general, (laughs) you know, like the foundation of psychology is basically like white men. Like when we think about it, everybody knows who Freud is, like, you're sitting on a table, Mm -hmm. like, you're talking about your past, and blah, 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 but, like, there's so many different things that, like, women experience, and, like, Black women have to go through from, like, culture, and class, and race, and just, just day-to-day, like, being a mom, like, how does that impact your mental health? there's yeah and how does that impact how does having poor not to say that like black women have poor mental health outcomes because we have totally been like doing better with you know our wellness and our mental health Mm -hmm. like how does that impact our health you know what I'm saying like when we know as like black people like how like heart disease affects us hypertension diabetes so what about like the mental health issues, like anxiety and depression? Like, what does that look like? I know for a fact that in um, Black people, like our symptoms externalize more and we're more likely to be diagnosed with a psychotic disorder instead of just a regular mood disorder like depression. And we know mm-hmm. that from history, like they'll diagnose us as like schizophrenic. When we just really are just like frustrated and our symptoms show up differently than white people. And so Mm. the problem with that is when you're basing it off of, when you're basing the standard of mental health off of a white man, you really have, you know, like everything's going to look different because everybody goes through mental health issues and everybody doesn't, everybody's symptoms don't look like this one um, category. So that's just, you know, I'm just doing my little part 
and you know that I'm just like one little needle in the haystack <laughs> but yeah. hopefully someone else comes behind me and like continues on their research and uh, right. yeah what did Tupac say? I hope to be the voice that sparks the mind. Exactly. Yes. Hopefully somebody else's mind to continue on. Exactly. Well, I, I really love that. And I, I think you make a really great point as to how important it is, you know, for you as a Black woman and a Black mother mm-hmm. to doing this research and speaking to an experience that you live that you you are you are living versus um from an external voice right right uh or only from an external voice I'll say that right because I know you're not the only person doing focusing on black women's health and perinatal mental health but um we need black voices doing that type of work kudos to you and uh, I'm so excited to see how your work comes out like yeah I need more info give us give us a little update yeah I'm in the first year I want to publish some stuff soon but I'm just balancing like being a full-time I work full-time and being a full-time mom and being a full-time student so things are moving slow but there it's a marathon not a race I think exactly exactly and I, I love that and so I mean let's talk about how you run your marathon right like what does that look like uh in a regular day for you and what have you learned uh that works well for you as you try to balance all of that Ooh, um let's see let's see I usually have like class at the beginning of the week so mm-hmm. I've like prepared for class um and then, like, once I get home, it's, like, family time. Like, I really can't focus on, like, any reading because I'm, like, I want to see my baby and I'm, like, playing with him and I'm talking to my fiancé and we're, like, hanging out and having a good time. So I really, like, don't get any work done <laughs> during those days. But mm-hmm. um, I really find that I, like, have to take time for myself and to get things done. And I think the the type of the challenge that I have now in my doctorate program versus in my master's like I didn't have a baby I didn't have a fiance while I was in my master's so I really was just out here I could just like go to a coffee shop and spend like eight hours and come home and be like ahead of the game like two weeks ahead of the class be studied up like ready to take that test if we got a pop quiz I know it I'm all good. Now I'm like, ooh, if I get a pop quiz, I may not know it, but it's okay because I did a good, <laughs> did a good job on that project, whatever. Um, so it's really about pacing myself. Um, and I was just thinking like in the car, like driving back home today, I was like, dang, like I really got a lot of stuff to do. But then I'm like, my grades are good, you know, like I feel stressed, like, I feel like I'm not doing enough, but I have to check in with myself and be like, no, but I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, and you're so, you're gonna feel like you're not doing enough in your doctorate program, you're gonna feel stressed mm-hmm. out, but the facts are there, um, and you're doing enough, you know, so my week just kind of, it just fluctuates, like, some weeks I'm able to be more focused and get things done. Um, what I usually have found that has helped me is, like, when I have projects due in my classes, I'm usually like the first one to get something done. Like I'll be like, I'm going to sign up for the first day and get out the way. So I don't have to think about it at the end when all these other finals and things are done are are due. Um, So that has 
really helped me because finals are coming up in like three weeks and I don't have to turn anything in but like my final project or like a paper but I don't have to worry about presenting or doing anything like that at the same time um but just pacing myself getting a little bit done each day um I write on a sticky note like all my readings that I have to do for the week and then Mm. I've partnered with like some of my classmates and we have like a little reading club and we'll be like, okay, you do this reading, I do this reading, like, we'll take notes on it, and then, like, by the end of the week, all the notes are posted up there, so you don't have to sort through every single chapter on your own, it's like, oh, well, the the notes are already up here, so the stuff that you need to know is already here, and that's been a significant help, so little things like that, like, really help me um, in my graduate program, help me feel like I'm not, like, rushing along and just, like, taking my time, and it's that's so awesome that you were able to like the thing that stuck stuck out of all the things is uh this reading group yo like yeah you set that up <laughs> tell us more Taking a quick break from our episode today, I want to tell you about the Scholar Circle. It's an accountability and productivity community I've created for graduate women that offers resources and support for holistic development. When you're a member of the Scholar Circle, you'll find trainings, templates, and tools that help you stay organized, streamline your research, and boost your productivity. You can find more information about the Scholar Circle and how to join. Just check the link in the show notes. Back to the episode. Get that reading group and whoever's listening right now, partner up with your friends and your program and get that reading group because there's no sense in trying to read all that stuff. By Like I'm reading literally hundreds of pages a week and I'm a full yeah. time, I've worked full time. I'm a mom. Like I just don't have time. And like my professors have told me like, you will not be able to get all this stuff done and that's okay. Mm. It's okay. But figure out a way to like skim through it or like, get some notes from somebody. So basically what you do is if you have like two or three friends, close friends, well, I don't know if people have friends in grad school. I used to tell myself, like, I didn't come to grad school to have any friends, whatever. But if you have like people that you get along with in your program, mm-hmm. like a little study group, whoever, you make a Google Drive, like at the beginning of the semester, put all the readings that are due each day. Um, and then at the beginning of the week, just write your name next to it. I'm going to do chapter seven. Oh, Ashley's going to do chapter eight. Um, Whoever else is going to do chapter nine, whatever. And throughout the week, you just say like, hey, chapter eight is up. Okay, chapter seven is up. Okay, chapter nine is up. And you just read through them. And if you have pop quizzes and stuff, um, like we have quizzes every week in our program, which is really annoying. Uh But you got to be showing that you're reading. <laughs> but uh, it really helps because I haven't taken a reading quiz yet and been like, oh, well, they didn't put that in the reading. You know, like it wasn't like, right. you know, the yeah. stuff wasn't in there. Everybody makes the notes that, you know, puts the stuff that is important to the chapter. And then they just sort out all the rest of the fluff. So you don't have to sort through all that fluff. And, you know, like you can skim through and read the notes and feel like you're still like aware of what we're talking about for the week. It's been a significant help. And my professor in my master's program told me, told, gave me that tip. So I was like, I'm going to try it in my doctoral program. And that's been good so far. Um, Nice. Nice, nice. Yeah. 
that's and it gives you like an opportunity to really sink deep dive into something versus trying to skim a bunch of stuff yeah yeah because I feel like I'm actually like instead of reading a hundred pages a hundred you know hundreds of pages a week I may read 15 because they're all scaled down to what's the important stuff that you need to know for those chapters Uh, and if someone doesn't put and it's not like a hard fast rule like if someone doesn't get the reading done as a graduate student you're still required to know your stuff so don't be mad if Ashley didn't post her chapter for the week like you still have to be prepared to deal with that but it's just a supplement you know it's just to take the edge off just to kind of take some pressure off you know it's just help you know so don't be like Ashley didn't post her reading for the week you can't be in the reading group no more no just you know just relax (laughs) yeah yeah okay yeah I that sounds good too like give a little flexibility but you it also it's a lot of things like you get to focus on one thing you are you you know creating some rapport with people in your cohort also accountability (laughs) to help you um but I definitely see it's like yeah you gotta also make sure you are pulling your weight in the group too so I, I think that that along with you know it sounds like you were you've always been super organized and you really make the time to shut it down right like when you're with family then you are spending time you know with your fiance with your baby mm-hmm. and that is what you're focused on so you're able to be present for them which is so yeah. so so important and, and I don't think a lot of glad about it don't feel yeah if you're taking time if you need to sleep if you need to eat don't be scrolling on your phone. Don't be writing a to-do list at the same time. Like, take that time. If you're burned out and your body is telling you to go to sleep and you haven't prepared for the test, you just need to sleep. Like, and you, you got to figure it out later because your mental health is important. Like, I remember in college, like, people used to stay up, like, all night studying for a test. And I used to be like, well, if I don't know it, I just don't know it today. And I'm not going to stay up stressing out procrastinating and and cramming all this stuff in if I don't know it I'd be better prepared if I sleep tonight and just go in with what I know and try to do the best I can so I'm not crazy at the end of the day or feeling burnt out and stressed and overwhelmed and I still like get a bad grade like you just you just have to prepare yourself better and like take time for yourself and like don't don't overdo it like you're you're gonna be fine you need to eat you need to sleep you need to take a shower (laughs) <laughs> you need to watch for 30 minutes you know watch some netflix and don't feel bad about it like it's fine yeah i i mean i absolutely agree and and i want to kind of almost add another layer to this that i mean we've been talking about but like what has been your experience you know navigating this way and being a black woman right because we're all I, I feel like either directly our parents say this or we kind of learn by example and are socialized that we have to work twice as hard mm-hmm. and do you know do everything twice as much to get half to get half as much mm-hmm. and so how do you really maintain this really great mindset in the face of like that kind of thought being present around us and in our society um I think just like being a black woman like you do have to work twice as hard but like black women are very resilient and sometimes that offends other people like I noticed when I was in my master's program like I didn't again I didn't have a family like 
you know, I didn't have a fiance, I didn't have a baby. So I really took advantage of my time and I didn't have to, I didn't have to work. I just did my student loans. I took out a bunch of loans, but like, I remember getting questioned, like, how did you like get this grade? Or like, how did you, how are you like flying through? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, how am I flying through? Like, what type of question is that? Like, you wouldn't ask that to anybody else. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're all in grad school. And it just seemed like people were just like, kind of like, confused as to why I was like succeeding and I'm like what am I supposed to be doing not succeeding in graduate school like what is that supposed to look like I don't know um you know I'll never know what that's about um and then also like sometimes people want you know like misery loves company like I'll find that like sometimes like in the past like some people want you to have the same graduate school experiences as them And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm just not going to deal with that. I'm just not going to put up with that. I don't think that that's healthy. Um, So I'm just not, I'm not going to like engage in that type of behavior. I'm not, I'm just not just going to be negative. Um, And I like won't get into like the nitty gritty about that stuff. But like sometimes people want to, want to, want you to be down there with them and Mm -hmm. don't do that be be up there you know when they go low we go high whatever you know (laughs) take it like that um and then let's see I was like pregnant while I was doing my first semester in my doctoral program and I was like very afraid of like revealing that I was pregnant because I was like man everybody gonna think that I'm like a single mom like just those stereotypes whatever whatever and I'm like my fiance was telling me, like, so many people have kids while they're in graduate school. Like, you're in your 20s. Like, when are you supposed to have kids? You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not supposed to wait till you're, like, 40. If you want to have kids, like, you're an adult. And I just remember feeling like I was going to be judged for my decision to have a child. Because I wanted mm. to have kids. I want, You know, I was like, I'm going to be in this program for the next five years. I don't want to have kids when I'm 30. I want to just do it now you know, it's never a right time to have kids. So you have to think about right. that too. So, <laughs> but I feel you, it's your body. Yeah. I made the best decision for myself and my family. Um, but just feeling like I would be judged or like, and I didn't show for like a long time. Like everybody just thought I was just like fat. And I was like, yeah, I'll take being fat for, <laughs> for the first time in my life. But, um, but I didn't show, I only gained like 20 pounds and people were like, I didn't know you were pregnant. Um, but I got so much support, I think, and just, I was just like, let me just be confident in my decision to do this. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter what other people say. Um, and so I think as black women, we always feel that stigma, um, just in general of like, oh, people are going to judge us, which people will judge you no matter what. Um, when I change my hair, um, I feel judged. People are like, oh, your hair is so different. You know, we always get that when we change our hair. We always yes. get comments. Can I touch it? Or can I? Uh, no, don't touch me. You know, those types of things. It's just like a extra layer of like perception that we have to go through. And it's a burden. It's frustrating. Um, but you just have to continue to push through and know that like you have this whole team of support. Like I have I, the the mentors that I have, I specifically choose to be mentored by Black women. 
Mm -hmm. leadership the people that I look up to I specifically choose black women um that people that look like me people that have experiences like me and that helps me because when when I'm thinking about I'm so fed up with this program I'm so stressed out I want to just drop out I'm thinking like well what will my mentor do I should mm-hmm. have to quote that. What would my mentor do? <laughs> yeah. What would my mentor do? What would my mentor say? What would the people that I look up to in this field, you know, I'm sure they've had similar experiences and they pushed through and now look where they are. So that keeps me inspired um, and keeps me going. But it is hard as a Black woman, um, the types of things that we go through in this program, in, in academia. Um, right. Right, 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 right. But I love it. I love this. It 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 has this undertone of like unapologetic yeahness, you know. Yeah. Like just be and I, I really think that you, you bring a great point too of like some people do I mean, grad school is hard and the journey does look different for every single person. So why don't feel guilty if you aren't having, you know, I guess as hard of a time as somebody else, right? Yeah, like yeah. almost oh, I shouldn't be having less, I should be having more issues because, for some reason, right? I think yeah, yeah. I give a, a, a good, a good, a good mindset about that. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I love it. That was good. I'm like, yeah, we need this. Like yeah. do, do what works for you as well. Um, but I think also you shared like how real it, the realness of feeling like you might be judged, but you're right. You're going to be judged and scrutinized by somebody anyhow, anyway. So there's really no point um, in stressing about it too much. And so um, is there any other advice that you wanted to share with students or someone who's thinking about graduate school sure. um, that I didn't like ask you specifically? Sure. Um I first want to share um, if you feel like you got a bad GPA in undergrad, that's still, that doesn't disqualify you from going to grad school. Yeah. It may just take a little extra work, and I did the extra work. And when I graduated my master's program, I had a 3.9. When I graduated from my undergrad, I had a 2.7. <laughs> so, you know, you can make up for that, um, and you do the work and you show that you're passionate about the field, you'll get in somewhere. You'll you'll get into a good program too. Um, so don't let that discourage you. And I used to be very afraid of sharing that I had a 2-7 when I graduated from undergrad. Mm-hmm. But once I um got that uh, master's degree and I saw that I had a 3-9, I was like, you know what? No shame. I have no shame because that's, that's what my journey was. Um, and now I'm in a doctoral program. So what does that say, you know? Yeah. And the the higher you go in your academic field, the less people really care about um, your GPA. And I'm not saying right. the 3.9 to, like, brag about it. I'm just saying the what you got in undergrad is not going to disqualify you from having this opportunity. You just have to put in the work. And then another thing, um, you deserve to be there. So imposter syndrome is a big thing. but people are not like your advisors and your professors are not going to allow you into a program if they didn't think that you were competent enough to get through it. Right. You didn't get an acceptance letter because you faked your way through it. You got it because of your, your, how hard you worked. So when you feel like 
you're not confident, um, if you feel like you didn't do good on a test and you're like, man, maybe, maybe everybody's going to figure out that I'm not as smart as um, I put on a show for. Mm. That's not true. You just, you know, had a rough day. Um, and don't let that get to you. Like, you're supposed to be there. Um, my dad used to tell me that all the time. Like, don't ever let anybody um, make you feel like you're not supposed to be there because you are. Um, and if you believe in God, put God first. Um, if that's something that you believe in or whatever your spirituality is, you know, keep that in mind because that definitely helps. Um, and just like stay focused. Um, and just like be confident and unapologetic about who you are. Like you deserve to be there. You'll get through it. Um, be authentic. Don't be fake. Um, you're supposed to learn. So it's sometimes you're going to be embarrassed if you don't know something and your professor is like, and eh, that's wrong, but mm-hmm. <laughs> that's normal. <laughs> you're not supposed to know everything in grad school. That's why you're there. Um, I used to feel worried about that and then I was like wait a minute if you know like I'm not a psychologist yet so I don't know everything so I'm gonna Mm -hmm. get that wrong yeah um but yeah just like you know do it do the best that you can and I think you gotta give yourself a lot more credit uh, um give yourself a lot more credit than you do um because if you're going to grad school that's already like a pretty major thing to accomplish Uh, yeah so yeah I love it I love it thank you so much Nicole thank you for having me this is such a great conversation (laughs) oh I agree I'm like oh my gosh you just had so much so much to share in such a warm way